It's been nearly a month since former spy boss Arthur Fraser opened a criminal case against President Cyril Ramaphosa, accusing him of money laundering and covering up a large cash robbery on his game farm in Limpopo two years ago. The scandal, now dubbed Farmgate, has captured South Africa's imagination, with some saying it's merely a political game to tarnish Ramaphosa's anti-corruption veneer ahead of the elective conference in December. It might also serve as a distraction from the state capture report released earlier this week, implicating some big ANC members, including Fraser himself. But despite this, the robbery was confirmed to have taken place on the president's farm. Ramaphosa is yet to disclose any more details, leaving the public to wonder. I'm Amy Gibbings, journalist for News24's multimedia department, and you're listening to The Story. This week we'll talk to News24 investigative journalist Jeff Wicks, who took a deep dive uncovering the lavish life of the prime suspect, Emanuela David, who was identified by Fraser. In his investigation, Wicks unearthed several extravagant purchases made by David after the robbery on 9 February 2020 that we'll discuss in this episode. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Limpopo. Thank you for having me, Amy. Jeff, tell us about the purchases that you discovered and how you managed to tie them to David. We managed to tie several extravagant purchases to Emanuela David, who is at the center of this robbery. And as with many things in journalism, it's often the smallest clue that leads you on a trail that ends up being a massive story. And with this story, it all started with the screen grab of an Instagram post from his page. The picture was... Um, of a garage with two very high-end cars, a Mercedes G63 and a Porsche Carrera. Um, Both had their number plates removed and it was just a sort of like an extravagant show of wealth. And we were desperately trying to confirm when these cars had been purchased and who they'd been bought from. And we got extremely lucky as, as, as we often do as we go about these searches and all I did was take his Instagram profile and type it into Google, and the first result was a post by Dr. Smile, this dentist to the stars. Um, a quick phone call to him revealed that David had purchased these diamond-studded grills with 250,000 rand, and he basically gave us the full story. And why that's so important is it helped us start to firm up a timeline And these grills were purchased in April 2021, a full year and a half after the robbery. And why that becomes critical is that was after he was arrested in Namibia, spent months in a Namibian jail and was deported in South Africa and had been placed on the radar of both governments. And in effect, he was able to come back after the robbery with the police knowing what he'd done or was was alleged to have done. And he was able to continue his spending. What does that mean? What does that lead us to believe? Well, it does certainly add fuel to claims of cover-up, which certainly we cannot prove at this point. But what we do know is that the Namibian government and the Namibian police had arrested David and had communicated with South African authorities, letting them know that he was in their custody. And at that point, they certainly knew that he was linked to the robbery at the president's farm. They say in a statement 
that after he was arrested, they met with South African police and shared information. And that's why this becomes so unbelievable, because he was able to come back after they received supposedly no response from the South African government and just pick up his extravagant life where he left off. And buy a set of diamond-encrusted grills for 250,000 rand. Absolutely. It, it almost beggars belief. And when you look at the pictures, I mean, I find it hard to believe that someone would spend that much on diamond-studded teeth covers. But, you know, this is something that was made famous by hip-hop artists in the rap industry. And this is something um, that Emmanuel David clearly wanted to emulate. Um, in some Instagram posts with uh, videos of him uh, taking an electronic diamond tester and, and testing the stones on his watch and on his teeth, he calls himself Diamond Boy. So he was clearly living a life of extreme wealth. And that wealth is unexplained because prior to the robbery, he was a security guard who was living hand to mouth. Uh, we know from tracking his previous addresses that he stayed in state-funded housing facilities that had very low rent caps. We know that he was working um, as a close protection officer all over the country at mines. And there's even some allegations against him that he took money for bus tickets to come to a new job and then just never showed up. What I don't understand is this alleged 150,000 rand paid to the, the suspects to Emanuela David by the Presidential Protection Unit that oversaw the investigation. Why would you pay someone to keep quiet after they've robbed you? Surely if they reported the investigators, they would implicate themselves in the robbery. So I, I fail to understand how they managed to get away with it. Well, that's one of the very important unanswered questions. And I think when we look to that issue, we've got to consider the source of this information. And so far, the only source um, or the only source of this allegation is Arthur Fraser. And this is a man who is deeply compromised, as we know from the latest um, Zondo report into state capture. And he is someone who has supposedly been um, in possession of this information for years and has kept quiet, only releasing it now when this information can do maximum damage. That's something that we continue to look into. Um, and that's why, for me, and for our team, it's important that we follow every single thread of the story because every single um, snippet of information becomes valuable because it adds to the overall picture. And we have to examine the lives of everyone who was supposedly involved in this because that will bring us closer to the truth. Some of our readers wrote to us saying that Fraser should also be investigated for knowing about the robbery, but only reporting it now. Do we know for sure that he sat on information and was strategic with his timing of release? Well, according to his affidavit, he'd been contacted by members of the supposed team that had been assembled by the Presidential Protection Unit to embark on this so-called off-the-books investigation. But there's a lot we don't know. He doesn't say when he came into possession of this information. Um, but the timing is certainly curious. It seems, considering when this incident happened and when this investigation ran its course, um, taking police from the uh, wildlife reserve in Limpopo all the way to Namibia, um, there does seem to be some level of communication with someone on that team with Fraser. It would be very interesting to find out when he first came into possession of that. And I have no doubt that um, the Hawks, who are investigating this matter now, would have asked that 
straight out of the gate when they interviewed Fraser last week. Tell us a bit about the cars that David purchased. I know the owner of the dealership couldn't say with any certainty that due processes were followed and he knew David by an alias. Is this quite a common thing when people are using maybe illegal money to purchase cars? Tell us a bit about that. Well, it certainly raises the level of suspicion because we know from what we found so far, um, building on what Fraser placed in his affidavit, that a, a lot of the individuals um, he alleged perpetrated this robbery went on a buying spree and on the top of their list were, were high-end cars. And that's something we sought to try and confirm and to try firm up, especially from Emanuela David's perspective, is to say, if this man came into a considerable amount of money after the robbery, did he spend it on high-end motor vehicles and how do we prove it? And again, we looked at that tiniest of breadcrumbs, the Instagram screen grab of those two vehicles. Now, normally, we would use our contacts who have access to e-natus to check ownership of vehicles using license plate numbers. But the issue with this was that there were no license plates on the vehicles. And, you know, this, this stumped us for a couple of days. And in, in, a, in a bit of desperation, I eventually zoomed in on the picture and I could see that the bracket that hold the number plate was branded. And we were able to then tie that car via, um, via e-natus to this dealership in Benoni called M&S Motorlink. Um, what is curious, and like you said, is, is, is that this Porsche, whilst in the possession of Mr. David, remained um, owned by the dealership. On paper, the dealership still held the title. And, and that's uncommon because when you buy a car, the dealership will change ownership immediately. Because if they don't, that car lives on their name and any motor vehicle fines you incur whilst driving the vehicle will go to them. Any crime committed using that vehicle will be linked back to them. So standard industry practice is to change ownership within a week. And it's very strange that this was not done. You know, when I confronted the car de dealer about why ownership wasn't changed, he said that uh, he had every intention of changing ownership. But um, David had told him that he wanted to export the vehicle, so he'd held off. And that really didn't um, hold water for me um, because that's simply not done. And it raises the possibility that Emanuela David was accruing assets, very, very valuable assets, and had wanted to keep them off his public profile. So, Jeff, tell me, how did you find this car dealership? Well, the first thing we did was punch the name into Google and it came up with an address in Benoni and we got in the vehicle and went off there and found that it was closed. Um, we found ourselves in an area where there were many car dealerships, so we just started asking questions about the dealership and its owner, Saqib Shahabuddin. Um, when we did that, uh, people in that area told us that he had left very suddenly and under a cloud and we knew that he was going to become a central character in the story because that car that David was driving was still registered to him and his business called Kiri Rocks. Uh, one of the dealers in the area gave me an address for his mother's house um, and several phone numbers for him. I tried desperately to call him on the phone and, and couldn't reach him, so I took myself off to his mother's house in Actonville. When I arrived there, I knocked on the door and a domestic worker came out and I explained who I was and who I was looking for and she said that he didn't live there. So then I asked her if she would call whoever did live there out to speak to me and she said that no one was home. 
But no sooner did the words leave her mouth that, that I heard clinking of dishes in the house. And I told her that I thought she was lying and that I desperately needed to speak to the family of Saqib Shahabuddin. And I was happy to wait outside in the driveway until someone decided to either come out or come home from work. And within 15 minutes, um, Mr. Shahabuddin's sister came out and spoke to me. And I managed to pass on a message for him using her as a conduit. And within 15 minutes, he called and agreed to meet. Wow. Exciting. I wonder why he wanted to get in touch with you. You know, why did he reach out? Well, I made it clear that he was becoming a central figure in this robbery, which is gripping the nation. Um, a robbery that was perpetrated at a property owned by the president, essentially robbing the head of state. So um, I can understand why he'd want to at least know what I know or understand how he was to um, become involved in this. During the course of our investigation, we also managed to track down one of his former employees who told us that David didn't only buy the Porsche from him, but bought a series of high-end cars, some just days after one another. And the answers we got from Mr. Shahabuddin um, were somewhat scant. Um, he didn't deny that he'd sold Mr. David a string of vehicles. He simply said he couldn't remember. And that doesn't make sense to me because... Our information indicates that Mr. David spent in excess of 10 million rand on cars from a single dealership. And that is something that you as a business owner will remember. And it seems strange to me that he couldn't provide any detail, barring the fact that he sold the Porsche to Mr. David and never changed the ownership of the vehicle. I'm still very curious to establish where that Porsche is. I believe it's somewhere in Cape Town, but that, that, that information has yet to reveal itself fully. So should we be expecting a visit from you soon? <laughs> I think that the owner of a high-end uh, paint shop in Cape Town should expect a visit or at the very least a call from me at some point. Jeff, I also just wanted to ask out of a matter of interest, when business owners, for example, the owner of the car dealership, Dr. Smile, when they perform these services or sell these really expensive goods to someone who has stolen cash, are they at all ever implicated as a result? Well, they are certainly tied to that person if it can be proven that that money is the proceeds, proceeds of crime. And this was a question that I, that, that I posed to Dr. Smile. And, you know, he was clear with me that he never had any reason to believe that this money was, was the proceeds of crime. He was simply approached by Mr. David via his Instagram page and they did business with one another. Where it becomes interesting is, is with regard to the cars. Now, what our source within that now closed dealership told us was that all of these purchases were done in cash. And then that places the onus on the car dealer to report these purchases to the FIC. Um, and it still remains unclear whether this was ever done. And, and now, where is Emanuela David? Do we know anything about his current whereabouts? Is he still you know, driving around in his big fancy cars with his big set of diamond-encrusted grills. There are many rumors swirling about where, where he is at the moment. Um, I believe that he remains in the country. Um, I'm unable to prove that at this point, but I intend to. We do know that um, he moved to South Africa from Namibia um, when he was a teenager, and his mother settled somewhere in Pretoria. We've yet to track her down, but she's on my list. 
where do you see this going, you know, for Fraser, for the president, for the suspects involved? I also wanted some clarity around, was any of that money ever returned to the president? Or did they get to keep all the money as well as the 150000 to keep quiet? There's still a lot that we don't know about this entire saga, and we're slowly putting the puzzle pieces together. I firmly believe that this is an issue that's going to haunt the president all the way until the conference in December and perhaps beyond that. Um, We have untested allegations by Mr. Fraser, the veracity of which has yet to be proven, and now this is the subject of a Hawks investigation. All of this unknown information fuels the rumor mill, and that's partly because the president has said very little publicly about this robbery, Um, not least that the robbery took place and money that was stolen was grossly inflated and was the proceeds of game sales. But now um, this matter sits with the Hawks and they are seized with um, investigating very serious allegations against the sitting president of the country. And when we do an honest examination of this issue, this is probably the biggest story of the year. And we need to do everything that we can to bring everything that's been hidden into the light uh, because this concerns the man who leads this country. And to do that, we need to delve into the lives of everyone in this story, from the alleged suspects, from the helper at the wildlife reserve who supposedly set them on this path to commit this robbery, Fraser and Ramaphosa himself. And these are dangerous allegations, especially the ones of a cover-up because that would imply that a sitting president used his authority to get the police to conduct a secret investigation that took them across the country's borders where they have no jurisdiction and basically did extrajudicial interrogations of suspects when no case was ever registered. And this is a question that we continue to look at as to why this was done. What's key for me also is the 150,000 Rand payments that were allegedly made to all of these people. That makes very little sense to me, especially after you've tracked these people down, you have prima facie evidence that they were involved in the robbery, and they have been caught with all of these extravagant purchases that they cannot explain, and yet you pay them more to keep quiet. Um, What is certain, Amy, is that we don't know everything, and we need to find out every single detail of what transpired at that farm and what happened afterwards. Thank you, Jeff. That was certainly very interesting. And I think our listeners are on the edge of their seats as more of the story unravels. That was Jeff Wicks, investigative journalist for News24. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Amy Gibbings, producer and host of The Story. Join us next Saturday for a discussion on the week's biggest stories.